be admitted after the guests check in. Enjoy things. Can you? Yes. We started uh-huh. recording, correct? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's okay. Well, hello. Hi, Flex. Welcome to Motel Hell. I'm Alexa Garvey. Flex, Alexa. Not my nickname. Mm-hmm. It is. To my right. Which would Dick be. Fatty. There you go. Dick Fatty. To my left. Gap and Stab. That's not, we're not, we didn't decide on we that. We did. Ben the Beardo. Ben the Beardo. No, the beard is because I'm a captain. We went over this. I feel like Captain never. Stabbing. I, I have proof. Captain Stabbin no, to cap- my left. Cabin. Cabin Stabbin. Yeah, and stab like, people in cabins. No, no, no cabin. 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 Like cabin Crunch. Cabin. Oh God. Cabin Stabbin. <laughs> really we got the whole, the whole crew's here. <laughs> we're ready to do a great episode. It was originally going to be, um... Did we, did we even say the name of the, the, the show? I said it was Motel How. Did we? Yes. I said it. Motel How. How much have you been drinking? A lot. <laughs> so much. Uh, I can't remember a thing. Um, we were going to do exclusively Japanese murders tonight, but then the one I was researching um, is in Hong Kong. So which is different do, than Japan. Which yeah. is different than Japan. I think that's China. I was well, not Kong, given the correct information. Nation state. Someone I don't want to mention, whose name rhymes with uh, cabin. Um, it kind of sounds like cabin. We discussed this two weeks ago. Uh, told me it was Japanese, and then upon further research, we found out it wasn't. So we're going to do two from Japan, one from China. It's going to be a really good time. Everyone's done some really great research. Yeah, we have. Well, why don't we start with the movie that we watched tonight? Yeah, we're going to talk about movie. Movie! 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 Okay. I only go three times every time. It was called... Captain Stabbing. Nope. Blood and Black Lace. Yep. I like that. It was really cool. I really liked the uh, models getting murdered aspect. It's just like... Was it your first time seeing it? It was my first time seeing it. And, uh... 
I really liked the whole. <laughs> Shut up! I'm trying to think. It, I, I liked the run around killing models part. I just said that, but I did like that a lot. I liked all the fashion. I liked all the pretty faces. All the cocaine. There, there really wasn't as much cocaine as you guys Everyone hyped it up. Everyone was on cocaine. No, I mean. Just most of the people. Yeah, but they didn't do it or anything in front of Well, no, because they already did it before they started shooting. No, no, no. So, anyways, Blood and Black Lace is the 1964 classic giallo by Mario Bava, godfather of Italian horror. It's one of the um, earliest uh, giallo films that was done. It's also, I believe it's the first or one of the first body count films where they advertised it by talking about how many people were killed in the movie right. and that it had a high body count. Uh... What did you think, Ben? What were your impressions upon, what is this, your third viewing? I th yeah, I think it's the third time we've watched it. I, I still love it. The kills are, are really well done. The mystery is pretty good with the little... The ending is, is, is... It wraps everything up nicely. Yeah, I liked that we found out who the killers were before the police did. Because I feel like in a lot of Giallo, you're like finding out at, at the same time. Like, they're discovering it and you don't get any dialogue between them or them conspiring. I wasn't a big fan of how non-gory the murders were. I guess maybe because I've been spoiled with some of the stuff I've been watching recently. Yeah, so I mean it's it's from 64, so gore wasn't really part of what they did in movies generally. And Baba was sort of, I mean his coked up son, Lumberto Baba, gave us wonderful gore fest like Blade in the Dark, but uh, at the time, most movies didn't really go heavy on that. Yeah. So there was some blood. You see a lot of corpses, yeah. and you see the killing, but not in a way that shows the gore. Well, outside of the uh, whole... Face burning. Yeah, face yeah. burning with the wood burning stove. That was, you know, for a movie that old, that's very intense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it was banned and uh, censored in the United States, and uh, I believe it was considered one of the video <clears throat> nasties, one of many hundreds of movies that were banned in the UK for a long time. But uh, it's, it's, I think it's more of a well-written giallo than a lot of them. Um, the plot is good. The, the first time I watched it, this was like my fifth time seeing it, um, I had no idea who the killers were. Well, I had an idea, but we were kind of really guessing, I think, the first time yeah. we watched it. And uh, it's got a nice mystery. It's got nice set pieces. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the DVD copy I have of it, it's, the film quality is not fantastic. And um, it's my understanding that the Blu-ray from the screen caps I've seen of it is much better and clears it up quite a bit. So I'm anxious to see what it looks like in higher def. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a really good giallo if you're into that kind of thing. I recommend it. It's it's a good one to even start with. I feel like it's got a lot of the tropes or what would become tropes of the genre. Mm. And um, it's a well done movie. It's not just tr like schlock. It's actually pretty good yeah it's well written you actually care about the characters who are about to yeah. get eviscerated and if you've ever done coke it's a pretty i mean they kind of get like the sort of jumpy coke yeah, aspect of the the characters pretty for the one dude blabbing on about how much he loves her to checking his uh, cocaine bag to realizing there's no cane, cocaine in it and then going in the girl's purse and then she's like don't touch my purse uh, yeah because cocaine yeah mm -hmm. yeah there could have been more cocaine I wish that well, they did more cocaine in front of There me. can always be more cocaine. 
Yeah, but I mean, it's really you have to think about the standards of the time. I mean, that that's just not what they did. Gratuitous yeah. drug use and gratuitous gore are things that really started in the seventies, and really, for the most part, were still especially drug use wasn't depicted that heavily. You know what I mean? Or and especially in a non-sensationalized <laughs> way. And I didn't feel like the cocaine use or discussion was particularly sensationalized. It it was. Um, accurate to a point which was yeah. good but yeah no they don't depict the usage of cocaine but i didn't think that was paramount to my for me at least my enjoyment of the movie i know what doing cocaine looks like but uh yeah just one yeah. opinion i would say eight out of ten. Seven yeah. out of ten i'd give it an easy 8.5 yeah. on a 10 scale 8.5 empty bags of cocaine out of ten yeah yeah, mm -hmm. but you don't even need to do coke to enjoy it, so... You don't. And probably you shouldn't while you're watching it. Mm. You know, you talk too much. <laughs> so, who wants to start? Um, I mean, we're both... Both, both, uh... I think I started last time. The Fetty and I's are, uh, very, very long. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? I'm happy to go first, whatever you prefer. You can go first. I mean, I, I feel like yours is the only one we know absolutely Actually, why don't we save mine for last, since mine's the most disturbing, uh, I think, what? by far. Challenge accepted. It, you know, so, okay, so we picked these uh, murders that happened in Asia, and I think they were pretty much mostly new to all of us, or at least the gory details um, were new to me. And I don't know anything about Ben's topic or Alexa's, and I think it's pretty much the same all the way around. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be exciting and new, hypothetically, for all of us, and hopefully a little bit disturbing. So for those of you who are total wuss pusses... Listen to another podcast, yeah. nerds. Yeah, nerds. <laughs> nerds. All right, well, I'll start then. Uh, I chose to do my part on Sutoma... Sutoma... Wow, I'm usually better at pronouncing Japanese names than this. Miyazaki, the otaku killer, also known as the little girl murderer, Ooh. also known in the papers after he was caught as Dracula. Dracula. So he was born August 31st, 1962. Um, something year. I didn't know, because I, I had known a little bit about this case before, but something I didn't know, which was uh, he was actually conceived through incest between his father oh. and one of his sisters. His oh. father's sister? His, no, his no, uncle his sister. Father. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's oh, a classic yeah. Chinatown. Well, here's 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 a funny here's a funny thing. Uh, well, it's Japan. No, the seminal film with Jack oh, Nicholson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, back <laughs> to my thing. So disappointed. I'm so hurt. Yeah, right so now. we can watch Blood and Black Lace, but nobody can see Chinatown. I mean, you guys. Anyway. <sighs> anyway, so he, I don't know if it was because of this, but most likely he was born with um, a deformity. His. It's Definitely from the incest. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm not, not a, a I'm not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, right. You're a genealogist here. Yet. Raise your hand if you're a genealogist. <laughs> so he was born with his wrists uh, pretty much fused. So like his hands were fused to his forearms. So uh -huh. he couldn't like he had no like motions of his wrists, and nice. it left his hands looking like yeah, real roboto. Yeah. Well, but like more, more like Nosferatu because his hands were always kind of like gnarled and weird. Mm, nice. <clears throat> so because of this, they when call he was, him Narboy. Yeah, good old Narboy. Good old Sutoma Narboy. Narutoma. Yeah. That's good. That's My good. Nipples are getting yeah. hard. <laughs> I, I can see that because you are not wearing a shirt. Um, 
So, because of his weird arm thing, uh, he pretty much was outcast in elementary school, which like really started his isolation. And uh, at first, he was doing really well in um, high school, and then uh, probably because he didn't have any friends and didn't care anymore, uh, he dropped to 40th out of 56 people in his class. They uh, rank all classes in Japan. They so do. You know your worth. Don't they do that here, though? No, but not with the same fervor that they Ooh, do in Yeah, Japan. like they make sure you know. Yeah. Okay. You got to test in to get into high school and everything. It's all a mess. But, um, so. He wanted to be an English teacher, and then he ended up being a photo technician. That's what he went to school for. Hmm. And then uh, in the 1980s, he ended up moving back to his parents' house. Now, I don't know if it's the same sister, but he ended up sharing a room with his older sister. So possibly... His mom's sister. No, like his sister. Oh. Nice. Um, so possibly could have been he was sharing a room with his mom. I don't know. I tried to find more stuff about it, but I couldn't. Um, and his two younger sisters did not like him. Uh, <laughs> the only person who like really like reached out to him and like you know supported him was his grandfather. And uh, in May 1988, his grandfather died, which like really spiraled him out of control. He got really depressed and even more like you know reserved from society and the people around him. Um, and like this is kind of where you can start to see his like psychosis like really start to break because mm -hmm. uh, after his grandfather died. He actually ate some of the ashes trying to take a piece of his grandfather into Oh, that's a normal response. Yeah. So, also, like, on top of that, like, when he was in high school, one of his uh, classmates uh, claimed that he had this inferiority complex because he had a very small penis. Oh. Go on. Not going to say anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're always mad at us. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. So after he moved back in with his parents, uh, you know, weeks, a couple, a few weeks after uh, his grandfather died, uh, one of his sisters caught him watching her shower nice. when she said, get out, pretty much. He just attacked her. Didn't kill her, but he attacked her. Oh. And then, um, Never she... tell the Nar boy to leave you alone. <laughs> yeah, never tell the Nar boy to leave you alone when he's <laughs> trying to get his thing on. So how does one whack when you're nard? I guess you're just got like sick yeah, like ass full, fucking upper arm. Yeah, strength. like full motion. <laughs> and I mean, if you, if you have a small <laughs> penis, do that. if you have a small penis, you don't really got to do much, you know? Like what? No, you got to work it just as hard. Do you? I, that's what I heard. I don't have a baby dick. I mean, it's, it's less effort. You know? I don't know. No, I, I don't I've never so. had that issue. I've got a stroke. Like you know, it takes me days to get to the end of mine. But um, <laughs> so she she told their mother that this happened. And Nar boy was looking. She's pretty much like, you need to stop watching all your videos, and you need to work more. So then he attacked her. Ah. Um, he was really obsessed with, like, a lot of anime and horror movies. Uh, he would go to college tennis matches to photograph the female players just to take them home to masturbate. Huh. Um, and then that stopped uh, after a while. In 1984, he got really into, which he was 21 at that point, got really into child pornography, which was totally legal in Japan at the time. Shut the front door. Yep. Wait, what um, year was this? This was 1984. I think it was legal until what, the 90s? 90s? Mid-90s. Mid-90s. Shut the front door. We yeah. talked about this. We did not. We do. We have. It's, it's, it's weird and disgusting, but I still love you, Japan. Um, so yeah, that, like, you know, that's just kind of his backstory and like how like you kind of slowly see his progression. And then, 
the murders started. Uh, they ranged from August 1988 to June 1989, about 10 months. Um, he mutilated and killed four girls. Ooh. So on August 22nd, 1998, the day after his 26th birthday, uh, there's this uh, girl, Mari Kono, a four-year-old girl. Um, she, she vanished while playing at her friend's house. And uh, what happened was is... I'm just going to call him Nar for the whole time instead of having to say his name over Narboy. and over again. Yeah, Narboy. Narboy had led, uh, led this girl into his black Nissan. Uh, not a son. <laughs> and uh, he drove her westward and uh, parked the car under a bridge in this wooded area. He just kind of sat with her for about a half hour and then just started murdering her. Murdering her, <laughs> if you will. The old Myrtle Beach. <laughs> uh, after she was dead, uh, he had sex with a corpse. Nice. Uh, he dumped the body and took the clothes with him. He allowed her to petrify and decompose for a little while. And then he went back to the crime scene and removed her hands and feet, which he kept in his closet. Now, where is this happening? In Tokyo? Uh, no, this is happening in... They were in... Where are my notes? They're in, like, some different prefecture. Um... Saitama. Saitama. The so, classic Saitama killing. Mm. But I mean, he did kind of like drive like all over the place to pick up some of these girls. Um, Been there. After he'd taken the hands back, at this point he's no longer living with his parents. He has his own apartment. It's just full of child porn. anime and horror movies and the things that I don't like, which is child porn. But like, you know, on the retrospective, if I walked into this guy's apartment, I'd be like, dude, what's yeah, up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good movie. I mean, and you know, it, I guess if you live alone, you leave the child porn out, but I feel like, you know, even if you did, you'd be somewhat furtive about it if you expected company. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, he's probably... I mean, he didn't have any friends anyway. Oh, well. So, um... After that, he charred the remains and, like, ground them into... He ground her bones up, and then he sent the powder from the bones... Several of her teeth, photos of her clothing, and a postcard to her family which read, what? Mari, cremated, bones, investigate, proof. So he wanted the attention, clearly. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, like... He sent it to who? The family. The, the family. So, um... That's a real Albert Fish move. I mean, the, like, the dude's a straight-up supervillain. Like, it's so... It's so, like... You read it and you're like, this doesn't actually happen, right? Like, they don't actually do things like this. This is something a supervillain would do. This is something so they a would do. Wrong again! Ah, October 3rd, 1988. Good old Nardog was driving along a rural road when he spotted a seven-year-old named Masami oh. Yoshizawa. Oh. How old was the other one? Four. Four. Oh, well, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, they're all children. Oh, like, children, children. I thought maybe you said 24. Nope. They're all children. This one's real heavy. Oh, okay. <laughs> you you're okay? Going, yeah. yeah. You sure? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. So we offered her to ride, and she was like, yeah, sure. Um, we're in Japan. Nothing bad That's happens here. Baby. Yeah. And uh, drove her to the same place where he killed uh, uh, Mari Kono and killed her. Once again, had sex with the corpse, and then took her clothes and left. No, did he come back and chop her hands off? No, not this one. 
this it's only going to get worse. Okay. So then on December 12th, 1988, four-year-old Erica Nanba, I'm probably butchering that last name, uh, she was coming home from a friend's house, and then he kidnapped her, he forced her into her car, into his car, drove to a parking lot in Nuguri, Saitama, and uh, forced her naked in her back, in his backseat, took a bunch of pictures of her, murdered her, and then after he killed her, he tied her hands and her feet behind her back. Now, is he driving like a cool car? Like, is he driving like a Nissan Silva or like a... No, Skyline? we went on to this. He is driving a... He's done a Nissan, but I didn't get the make and model. Nissan Langley. Uh, I don't know what that is. But Me that doesn't either. sound, doesn't cool. sound no. cool. No. It sounds terrible. Yeah. I mean, he's, now, a, he's now, a... have you seen pictures of this guy? What's he look like? I have. I have. Do you want to see pictures of him? Is he a chubster? Not really. Like, he, like, he look, kind of looks like... Does he have long hair? Is it unkempt? He, yeah, well, it's it's kind of like that, like, 90s part in the middle, like, Yikes. um, he, he's very, he looks like a normal guy for the most part. I mean, I haven't, I've seen, quote unquote, pictures of his wrists. I don't know if it's actually them or it's like a different thing, because they look like really long and weird. Yeah. But I couldn't find whether or not those were the actual pictures. Um, let me, let me pull up a picture of him. And, uh, he, I mean, he looks like, I mean, he looks kind of creepy, but, like, he looks mostly like a normal dude. Like, he looks like just a normal Japanese dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So, I mean, like, you Is know. Is Jackie Chan? Uh, no. Um, I can't think of any Japanese actors right now. So, but hold on. So when, what year was the first murder? Uh, 1988. And they so went he, on. So he did a second murder the same year. Yeah. Yeah, he did all of them in the same year, pretty much. Wow. <coughs> so our guy was moving. He was on oh, spring. moves. Yeah. It was all over a 10-month period. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was pretty quick. With, like, you know, a couple months in between. Um, then December 1988, he... Oh, wait, I already started this one. Oops. So, okay. So back to Erica Namba. Um, he tied her up, covered her with a bed sheet, placed her body in the trunk, and he disposed of her clothes this time uh, in a wooded area and left the body in an adjoining parking lot. Mm. Once again, sent a postcard to her family, uh, using words cut out of a magazine this time, just saying, Erica, cold, cough, throat, rest, death. Oh my god. Yeah, it's like real haunting, right? Yeah. Because it's not even taunting, it's just like words, and it's all, it's like... Word, period, word. Period. Yeah. Now, are the police contacted after the first one and all this? Is there already a hunt on, or...? Yeah, they're already looking for somebody. Because these girls are just going missing. And at this point, he's just being called the little girl killer. Classic. Yep. So, um, the last one was in Ju on June 6th in 1989. That's probably the worst one. Flex, prepare yourself. Okay. So, uh, Nardog uh, picked up five-year-old... Ayako Nomoto um, to she he was like hey let me take some pictures of you and she's like yeah okay and uh, he let her into her into his car he murdered her um, and uh, he took the body to his apartment after throwing it in his trunk he spent the next two days uh, engaging in sexual acts with the corpse and he took a bunch of pictures of it and filmed it. When the body actually became, uh, began to decompose, he dismembered it, uh, left the torso in a cemetery and the head in nearby hills, 
He kept the hands. And he drank that? blood and from the hands and then ate part of them. That's why they called him Dracula in uh in in the later news feeds and mm-hmm. stuff. No, I, I don't want to pull away from the important stuff, but I did pull up a picture of a Nissan Langley, which doesn't look that scary. It's not no. that cool, no. but it's definitely yeah, not rich. It's not an old white van with the rust on the sides right. and, no. you know, the shattered pelvises of tiny girls in the trunk or anything. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, like he did with the first girl, he actually went back, grabbed the head and the torso, and brought it back and kept it as a closet in his apartment. You mean the hands? No, he brought, like, he just, uh, on, with, uh... He didn't leave that stuff there? He went back and got it? He went back and got... Well, the, originally he went back and cut off her hands and feet. Who? This time, the first girl he Mara? Met. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Um, yeah, Mari. So, this time, after he disposed of the head and the torso, he eventually went back, grabbed it after two weeks, and put it back into his apartment in the closet. Huh. Now, was he putting them in Tupperware, or... No, I mean, this dude's, this dude's a big, living alone, anime nerd with, and like... So he doesn't mind You think, smell. like, you have a lot of movies, wait till I get, like, his, to his arrest, which I'm about to, and what they actually find. No, yeah. I don't care. He's eating human flesh and fucking dead bodies. He doesn't care about yeah, the smell. Probably gets him off. Probably just, like, I'm just asking. It's like, you know, when you and I wake up in the morning, we smell bacon and, and coffee, or you see your wonderful lady, or man lying next to you mm-hmm. and you like you get that half chub you're like yeah it's gonna be a good day that's probably how he dead died. body is for him yeah that's, okay yeah my guy's got a niche so nar boy nar dog so um one month later uh whew, okay so he got a hold of this little girl and um attempted to insert a insert a zoom lens into her vagina in his car in a park Oh, in the lens of a camera. Uh, her father saw, um, chase after him, and he was totally nude. Nardog was totally nude. In so the car? Driving nude? No, like he had her in the backseat of the car, and yeah, he was totally man. nude. So, dad runs up, he books it completely nude. In the car? Or out of no, his car. Out of his car. Out. So he leaves his car. <laughs> he leaves his car. Wow. Major mistake. Can you tell we're dog. talking about the arrest now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, guy he he went back just to get his car <laughs> and police were waiting for him yeah like, i don't know what he was probably like oh yeah this you know they probably thought it was nothing i'm totally yeah. well i mean considering that like in japan it's something something about 90 percent of women are sexually assaulted uh throughout their life in Japan and it's like a 5% report rate mm-hmm. i don't think it's that unreasonable to think that you're not gonna get punished or pursued for that i mean it's a kid no i know but it's also japan yeah. like it's not an indictment of japanese culture per se but it is a huge problem i mean that's why they have female train cars and all the rest yeah but i mean it's it's really a big deal where most women are like you know somebody exposes themselves to them or they grope them on the subway or they grope them in the classroom or they like sexually assault them at some point like it's it's a huge problem mm-hmm. and it's not reported yeah. so i mean I feel like, given the time period, 1989, I mean, that was still... Well, here... We didn't have that discussion. We're going to get to the thing that I find both interesting and really disgusting about this case. Um, so, the police snatch him up, and, uh, because the dad called them. It was like, this guy tried to... Tried to assault my daughter. Yeah, yeah tried yeah. to shove a camera lens him. into my daughter's vagina. Oh, God. So, 
I guess mostly a win for them, not entirely. But um, so they searched his uh, apartment and um, they found five thousand seven hundred and sixty-three videotapes. Damn. Yeah, that's impressive. That's I insane. That's that. insane. I, I count. I I've counted seen, my DVD collection. You can, you can look up pictures. Like they're literally stacked everywhere. It's everywhere, all over his apartment. Yeah, I mean, I I I counted my. Uh, DVD collection, which is approximately 240 movies. Now, that being said, I've got another like 400 Laserdiscs and maybe 30 odd VHS, but that's like not even a tenth. Uh-uh. And that's in a lot of space those things take yeah. up. Yeah. It's, it's probably all they spent his money on. Yeah. No, I got it. So, um, they found a bunch of anime, a bunch of horror movie slasher films, and they found a ton of child porn. They also found the pictures that he was taking of the uh, third girl he murdered um, and uh, videotapes of it and everything. So, I mean, like, he was dead to rights at this point. What about the body parts? Uh, they found those as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, that's kind of big evidence. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they're like... Oh, they got him here. So, and he was totally calm when he was getting arrested. Of course. He was just yeah, like, okay. okay. He's a fucking sociopath. sociopath yeah. yeah. I mean, just like, um, uh, Baba Dahmer? Son of Sam. Ah. Son of yeah. Sam was totally calm. You got me. Yeah. Yeah, they walked okay. into his apartment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it smelled like. <laughs> no, they, I think they arrested him outside. Maybe I'm thinking and of And then Dahmer's they searched his arrest. apartment. I am thinking of Dahmer's arrest. So, um, after that. Uh, it was really like hardcore reported by the media, and it's almost like what happened with Columbine and like Marilyn Manson and metal music and stuff, or like any of the satanic panic that happened in the U.S. in the nineties, um, that eighties, nineties, eighties, eighties, mostly eighties. That uh, you know they they were this blaming. This is the first time you've tried to say satanic <laughs> panic was primarily in the nineties, and I'm I'm just gonna have to. A man can dream. I I don't know why a man would dream. <laughs> Satanic Panic was a bummer for anybody who likes Satan. That's true. But what a time to be alive. Yeah, the 80s were a great time. Cocaine, no AIDS, mm-hmm. space wars. There were... Wasn't there a lot of AIDS in the 80s? No, no, the AIDS kid. That was the 90s. No. That's, that was the 90s. That was when the Satanic not... Panic... They, they flip-flopped. Satanic right. Panic... Listen, Frank, I'm controlling. pretty sure Rent takes place in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay. And everybody had AIDS in that movie. Everyone's got AIDS! <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Reference. Sick reference. So, Nar, Nar Dogs, uh, good old Narhan's family, they were actually, like, pretty influential where they were living. His father owned a newspaper, and, um... His father-uncle. Yeah, his father-uncle. His, his uncle. uncle. <laughs> and, uh, they, uh, like, he had no interest in taking part of it. He just wanted to do his own thing, so that's... Essentially, why he ended up moving so out. So did they? Did that they write articles like a against total him? Bummer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I don't. They didn't. So here's what happened. And we were discussing this earlier. So his father refused to pay for his legal defense, mm-hmm. and they killed himself. Nice. Yeah. So it just. I'm not dealing with his family shame. Yeah. Oh, the father killed himself. So are you guys ready for one of my favorite parts about this case? Yes. Are you ready? I want to know how know. one defines favorites when it comes to child murder. But go on. Well, I mean, I got just, you know, you know to justify itself to me. So, after he was arrested, he started, like, making all these claims and stuff, and he blamed his actions on something called 
Ratman. Mm. Yes. So it was his alter ego that forced him to kill. And during the trial, he drew, drew cartoons of him, which you can actually find. They're actually not terrible. Um, Ratman. As far as, like, you know, child murder drawings can be good. I mean, they can't, it doesn't have to be bad. They're not mutually exclusive qualities. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, a lot during the case, like, they really played up, like, during the trial, they really played up the whole, he's into anime, he's into horror movies. You mean the yeah. prosecution? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this ruined him, and it also created this huge hubbub in Japan about, you know, censorship and all that stuff. So, um, he ended up being sentenced on April 4th, 1970, 14th, I'm sorry, 1977. And it's... 77? 1997. 1997. He said 77. So oh, holy shit. Oh, well. Right? Let me see. Did you find it? No, I'm looking at the pictures of his apartment. Yeah. There's a lot of videotapes. Holy God. Yeah. Is it weird that, like, I kind of, minus the child porn, I want my apartment? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, oh man, I want all that. So, um, he, had, he claimed that they were an act of benevolence and just. You know, he was all kinds of crazy, and, um, you know, I'm sure, like, this whole Ratman thing came from, uh, you know, him watching anime, and he's like, I know how I'll get away with this, I'll blame it on somebody else. Yeah. But, you know, well, he's that probably is what a most people do maybe. when they're getting a the murder rap, they blame yeah. someone else. But maybe blame someone who's real. No, no, that's the best kind of defense, the crazy guy defense. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, if you're going to either be executed or in prison for life or in a psych ward for life, you know, you don't, I mean, I guess you have a lot to lose in the sense of if you're sentenced to death, that's a bummer. But if that's the best shot you got, especially when your dad's like, I'm not paying for legal fees, also I'm killing myself. Yeah. I'm going with Ratman. Yeah, I guess. That's when, you know, like, you, they, they come at you with the DUI thing, but I wasn't driving. Ratman <laughs> was driving, and he was drinking. Yeah, all this, is, this is in America. This is Japan. Yeah. They're going to kill you. Yeah. yeah. No, they pretty much have, like, a 99% conviction rate if you get arrested. So, on June 17th, 2008, he was hung by the neck until he was dead. Ah. But I just find it super interesting, because it's, like, it's one of those things where... The media ran with this whole otaku killer thing, and you know, one really like sullied the term and sullied the term otaku. Yeah, I guess. And you know, it used these other things outside. You know, didn't didn't blame all the child porn. Yeah. Did just blame the anime and the horror movies and all the things that I love. And I haven't murdered anyone, as far as anyone knows. Yeah. No. I mean, we talk a lot about what it would be like to kill a man to feast on his flesh to taste the forbidden delights. I don't like this. To watch the light leave his eyes. Yeah. But we don't do it most of the time. Most of the time. I do want to clear up, so if for some reason you're listening to this and you don't know what otaku means or like the sort of connotation that it has, originally it was a a pejorative term for people that were basically super fans of anything. It wasn't just anime because it just means fan. It's like... um, you could be an otaku for trains, or you can be an otaku for Gundam, or for child porn, yeah. or whatever. And they, <laughs> they really take it to the extreme where, like, everything in their living space is decorated in that, it's filled with that thing. Yeah. Like, even more so than, like, Frank and I are. And I'm, my apartment's covered in toys and art and right. records. But it, and 
it's 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 much like the term nerd. Uh, I think been in the past twenty years devilified to the point where now it's just another word for fan of. Yeah. So, there's there's a website called Otaku. Right. No, I know. I understand that. But I mean, what I'm trying to get at is that so you know, despite this satanic panic like vilification of the idea of an otaku, even though at this time it wasn't like a, otaku was a good word to have ascribed to you. In Japan, I think it's still not a great word to have ascribed to you in Japan. It, but it, it's I, in my experience from being there and seeing the word in use, like in stores, in sales, and that kind of stuff, I don't think of it as really having any kind of pejorative connotation anymore. Yeah, no. like there are still people that will look at the super nerds in Japan who are Japanese and say that's not how you should be li- living life or you know whatever. But there's also, as part of Japanese culture, a deep appreciation for one's own personal interests and um, people are encouraged to develop those interests and I don't know what whether it's Japanese culture or like what it is but most people like have a specific thing they're into and then they're like so into it which is why um, you know whether it's manga artists or guitarists or whatever they're always like so good at what they do because they're like so focused on that one thing mm-hmm. it's not a renaissance man grab bag style of interest mm-hmm. it's like here's my thing this is what I'm always going to be into and, you know, like, you may have a whole rest, like, normal life, but, like, I'm dedicated also to this one pursuit. Yeah. And I think in that way it's different than being, like, a nerd in the United States. But also, like, being a nerd now means, like, in the biggest movies of the summer and stuff like that. Like, it has no meaning yeah. anymore. It has no value. All that nerd culture of the 80s and 70s is, is mainstream now. Yeah. Yeah, especially when everything was blamed for it for so long. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. How the tides have turned. But that's that's really the power of capitalism because as long as the money's green, you know what I mean? Like they're making those blockbusters. Who cares what the kids are into? Oh. If Satan sells, they'll sell it. You know what I mean? Well, and that's the Otaku killer. One man's mm-hmm. man. Yep. Yeah. Just gonna, a, is one, dynamite. One man smells like dynamite. That was really good. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. I really liked that. I oh, mean, I Catherine. that's not the right way to yeah. say that. Um. But I, I didn't like any of that. I did recognize the story, though. As soon as you started talking about the photos and whatever, I'm like, oh, I have heard about this. Mm-hmm. And the whole camera lens thing. Yeah, I'd never heard Well, it's like that. it's like one of those things that, you know, as somebody who tends to look at this stuff a lot, the lower the body count, like, like I don't know why, but they, there's, like, some sick part of my head was like, that's probably not going to be that interesting. Yeah, if they're yeah. not Andre Chikatilo, I don't even want to know. Right, yeah. and, like, by far, his was, like, some of the most vicious stuff I've ever read, like, yeah. more so than Dahmer and... Yeah, but God, killing kids is bad four, news. Four-year-olds, five-year-olds, that's really fucked up. Well, what's fucked up is most of them weren't even taken by force. It was just yeah. like, hey, come on. Yeah, that's fucking... Yeah, that's fucked up. We'd have passwords when I was a kid. <laughs> my mom said to pick you up. What's the password? Get in my car, okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, let's go. You all said right. you have candy in that car? Is there also a puppy? Hey, it's right under the seat. Okay, you want me to go? Yeah, babe. Okay, we're doing the Hello Kitty murder. Mm. Um, oh, this sounds this sounds fun and happy. It's gonna be. I it's love, a bucket of laughs. Is it, is, I love is Hello it a Kitty. San Rio sponsored story? Uh, I don't know what that means. She's the people that own yeah. the rights to. Hello yeah, Kitty. she's it so kawaii. Kawaii. Kawaii means scary. Kawaii uh, is like cute. Well. I know, it's one eye that makes it different. Maybe this story's gonna be a little bit of both. Uh, Let's find out. It isn't, no. No. It's just sad. (laughs) Not cute? 
So, um, I got most of this information from uh, an article on Blumhouse.com. It was written by David Blum Ian. Blumhouse? Blum Blumhouse. <laughs> Sometimes I really hate myself. Um, <laughs> okay, that got personal. <laughs> David Ian McKendry wrote this article. Um, I also got information from Wikipedia and um, a few other articles. But this is the main one that I got it from. So, let me just set the stage for you guys, okay? May of 1999. I have a stage left or stage right. That's great. You want me to stop so you can talk about that? A no, little more? no, go on. Okay. It's May of 1999. I can really see it from here. Is it like the prince? Oh. <laughs> you guys, no, you guys tell me when you're ready. I'm sorry. It's it's his it, nose pimples hypnotizing. It's May 1999. Okay, we're in. Uh, I want to apologize in advance for oh, all God. the horrible pronunciation that's about to happen in this story also. Like, I get nervous when I'm about to say it and I butcher it even more. Um, so this is in uh, Simsha Su? I think that's what it's called, Hong Kong. Um, so 14-year-old Ling Chong Sa San, we'll call her Ling, <laughs> walked into a police station, uh, walked into the police station to file a police report. And she was like, I'm being haunted by the ghost of a young woman. And the police were like, that's really stupid. Get out yeah. of here. Um, <laughs> I've got cocaine. Yeah. We yeah. don't have time for any crazy and ladies today. she was like, well, it's the ghost of the woman that I tortured. I helped torture and kill. And they were like, that is a little more valid. Um, <laughs> right here. Right this way. So we're going to go back. So, um... Is this like the time machine, the movie with Guy Pierce? Yeah, it's exactly like that. So, uh, Faye May Yi. Fan May Yi. Faye Valentine? No, it's Is this fan. the basis for the character from Cowboy Bebop? It's Fan May Yi. Um, she was a nightclub hostess. She had a troubled past. She was raised in a girl's home after being abandoned by her family. So she's like in the Chinese foster care Hashtag system. Hashtag China. Yeah. Um, she... Turned to drugs and to prostitution. And what what's the name of the gang? The Triads? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So she got involved with a pimp who was associated with that uh, gang. Um, she met. It was when she was a teenager that she met Chan Man Lok. Chan, and we'll call him Chan. I'm not going to say We call him Chan name. Man? We can call him Chan, Chan Man. Chan Man. So he was a 34-year-old th pimp and drug dealer. Oh, nice. Um, so essentially, he lived in a five-bedroom apartment that was, like, tailored to draw in teenage girls. It was what? completely decorated from, like, head to toe in Hello Kitty. He had, like, curtains and stuff, animals. And Shit, things. I would have gone in there, but, like, he had like a like, good place to party. He had, tons of video yeah. games, tons of porn, and tons of drugs. And it was just like... Yo, Chan Man. Yeah, Chan Man knew how to get him in. Right? So, <laughs> I would have been in there real quick. So, yeah. Do I need to be a girl? I'll dress up like a girl. It's 1997, and um, she's 21 at this time. and it's barely even little. Well, she, I'm less aroused. Okay. <laughs> she's 21. I believe she's 21, because she... It doesn't matter. We'll get into it. Um, so she steals Chan's wallet. It's got $4,000 uh, in it. That's what he gets for $4,000 around. she realizes she made a mistake. She's like, fuck. <laughs> I should not have stolen this. Way more wallet. money than I'm willing to be <laughs> Yeah, But she returns the wallet and she gives an additional $10,000. She Don't ask me how she got the money. She's probably... probably sure dollars or like Hong Kong dollars? Um, this could be... Yuan? It said I, 4K and then 10K. So I'm thinking they... they 
Because the dispute, uh, yeah, I think it is U.S. dollars, but which everything. So yeah, she returns with an actual signed K to be like, "Look, I fucked up. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have taken this from you. Please take this." Um, and clearly, I literally wrote, "Chan was like, nah, bitch." Um, uh, this sounds like it could be like the beginning of like a really dark comedy where like she's like, "Oh no, I stole this wallet. Now I have to raise." Ten thousand dollars. It's like yeah. risky business. Yes. Yeah, it it's the Hong Kong it's risky not, business. It's not Did at John all. Did John Woo direct the adaptation? Not that I know of. Um, Did Jackie Chan play the Chan Man? <laughs> oh my god. So, basically, he was like, "I want another sixteen thousand. He was he like, wins. "To make up for this, I want another sixteen thousand. So, be- two years go by, and they're doing a shit ton of math, and. In this interim, Hell yeah, they are. Fan has gotten married. She's off drugs. She has a kid. She's working at the nightclub. So, so she's who's like, doing the math? Chan Man? Chan Man and his friends are all... Everybody. And they got a bunch of young prostitutes that are work, sex workers that are working for them. Um, I think I've been saying prostitute this whole time. I'm, I'm right, sorry, sorry. I didn't say sex worker. Um, we'll let it slide. So... Basically, March 17th, 1999, Chan sends his henchmen... Um, Luing Xing Chao and Luing Wai Lun. Uh, Xing Chao is 27. Xing Chao is 27 and Wai Lun is 20. Um, he sends them to go kidnap her for not paying what she owed. Because um, clearly he's in like a messed out rage and he's like, remember that bitch two years ago who never paid me the money? I do that all the time. Yeah, I think he initially told her he wanted the 16K and she was like, I'm not doing that. And then just like left and started their life. Should have um, gone further. Yeah. yeah. So, um, just moved down he was, uh, her, his initial plan was to have her work it off as a sex worker, and, um, but, uh, when the henchmen got there, they were all methed out, and they just, like, started beating the shit out of her, and they brought her back to the, um, apartment, and shit just got really bad, um, they, uh, just started torturing her and um like really fucked up shit they're like peeing in her mouth and like making her eat shit and like just like beating the shit out of her like one report said ling the girl she was 14 at the time like came over while it was happening and she was like trying to be tough too so she would get in on it and said that one time she saw chan hit like punch her like 50 times in a row like they were just, like, wailing on this girl. And, and this goes on for a fucking month. They keep her in the apartment. They basically smoke meth, beat the shit out of this girl, and, like, play video games. And it goes on and on and on. Um, Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Number three. Not <laughs> good. Not, yeah, great. not okay. No. no. So, after a month of this, fan dies. Um, fair enough. Yeah, I feel like really I don't think I would last that long. Seriously. I'd be like, please, girl. an entire month. And she has a kid and a husband that they just took her away from. So, um, he, Chan orders his men to take her in the bathroom and dismember her. So, they dismember her and her body parts are boiled over the, the course of a few days. They're trying to, um conceal the decomposition, which I'm not sure how boiling a body is going to make the smell any better, but... When you're on meth. Well, I guess... Well, this is the thing. They're so messed out, and there's pictures of this part that's fucking nasty. Yeah, so it's gross. gross. And so they're, like, boiling her in the same pots, like, next to the food they're making, oh, and yeah. they're, like, using the same utensils to stir oh, her yeah. as they are their food, and they're just, like, all messed out. Um, and for some reason, they, like, 
dispose of most of the body, but they decide to put her head, which they've sawed off, they use a saw to dismember her, um, they sew it into the head of a Hello Kitty mermaid doll. Um, like, and you can find pictures of the Hello Kitty mermaid doll um, online. And this is when Ling is like, uh, I'm out. <laughs> no, she was like, this is when the haunting began. She was like, convinced that Faye was seeking revenge beyond the grave. Well, Fan, when you're not Faye. smoking that much meth, and yeah, I mean. China and Japan are really, really into revenge ghosts. Yeah, so she was like, Van is coming back to um, get revenge on me, so she goes to the police and is like, I'm being haunted by the ghost of the girl that I helped kill. Um, so they all get arrested. Um, during the trial, they all try to pin it on each other, basically saying like they did, they more or less just watched and like didn't join in. They all say that. Um, but mostly they like show no remorse um, because the the uh, defense tries to say that Fan died of a drug overdose, not the beating, and like that's why they just got nervous and dismembered her because they didn't know what to do with the body. Just such bullshit. Um, and so they were convicted on um, they could only be charged with manslaughter yep. because they couldn't. Um, figure out the cause of death because there was no body to draw on, which, like, doesn't really make sense to me because yeah, they found a head inside of a Hello Kitty doll. Um, but they could only be charged with manslaughter, but they were all given life sentences. Well, they could be charged with anything, but it's just, it's important to note that the Chinese legal system, the Hong Kong legal system, and the Japanese legal system, they don't use the same kind of uh, charges either. Like, Manslaughter, homicide, like some of those distinctions and what yeah. those terms mean in those legal systems are different. But I mean, you know, like in the U.S., you could charge with murder and get a manslaughter charge. Yeah. You know, but anyway. Well, in everything I read, it was pretty much like, can you believe they only got charged with manslaughter? Yeah. So. No, but I'm. But that's also written by people who are writing news articles online that want to get clicks, and I'm just saying that, you know, without knowing the ins and outs of the Hong Kong legal right. code, they're. You couldn't get manslaughter for life in the United States. There's a limit. Okay. Yeah. In, yeah. in in Hong Kong, it's really right. different. Where that just means it could be a different level of, uh, you know, a different standard of proof, but without the limit on sentence. Right. Which is important. Okay. I feel that. Um, Ling was given immunity for her testimony. She's 16 at this point. She's just a fucking kid. Doesn't mean she didn't play her part in it, but... She's probably smoking a lot of meth, too, right? Yeah. Oh, my God, oh, of course. Yeah. And I mean, if you're 14, hanging out with a 35-year-old parent... You're not like, hanging out. You're, you're, you're what, a sex slave? Yeah, she was banging the Chan Man. Yeah, yeah, no, sure, but I'm saying, like, I don't think a 16-year-old has a lot of culpability when she's a, you know, semi-forced sex yeah. slave, I would assume, and hopped up on a bunch of drugs yeah. at, you know, the bequest of a pimp. It's true. It's true. I fall more in that camp than I do. She's got the else. possibility of rehabilitation. These dudes yeah. are just pieces of shit. So, Justice uh, Peter Wynn, um, who sentenced the trio to life in prison, said, Never in Hong Kong in recent years has a court heard of such cruelty, depravity, callousness, brutality, violence, and viciousness. That was his statement. Um, so, obviously, it was a fucking media circus. It was dubbed the Hello Kitty Murders. Um, it was the subject of two feature films. One, um, these are translated by uh, Human Pork Chop, 
and Jesus. There is a secret in my soup. Uh, are the name of those two Both films. Both food oriented. Yeah, I think it has to do I with the fact that they I want to watch those and yeah. maybe we'll have a review <laughs> in the near future, but I also feel like... I don't want to watch anything... Yeah, where one gets beaten yeah. for a month. That seems like a bummer film. Yeah, yeah no, it doesn't... Um, for a bunch of years after the case, paranormal inve- investigators visited the building she died in trying to contact her based off of Lynn. Bill Ling being like, yo, she's haunting me. Um, but eventually... Uh, not well. <laughs> uh, the building was destroyed in 2012. Um, so that ended that. And yeah, that is the Hello Kitty murder. How did uh, sales of Hello Kitty dolls do after that? I, I did not Google that, those stats. But I'm sure they're... Yeah. I'm sure they stayed exactly the same and everybody kept buying them. What? Well, they could have gone up, they could have gone down. It's we true. just don't know. It could have just been different people buying them. Like weirdo it's true. It's mm. true. I don't have a mermaid Hello Kitty doll. I've seen it. You can have one mm-hmm. in your bedroom. You have three. You sleep next to it. Don't whisper to me. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It's really fucked up. I wish I uh, didn't know so much about the torture. I some of no, it I yeah. read and really was like, I wish I never read that. Yeah, some of the articles. If yeah. if, if you guys end up looking into it yourselves, uh, just be wary because there are some articles that go into hardcore detail yeah. about what they did, and it's really tough to read. I censored some of the stuff that I read, so I don't think it's necessary to read all of it. We get the gist, but Chan Man, real dick. Chan Man, bad man. And you gotta think, he, they're probably also in jail right now. What, those 99 they got convicted? Well, if they're in jail for life, then yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're not dead yet. I, I'm not saying it, like, whatever. Shut up. Their life sentence was over in <laughs> ten years. They're, they were uh, Asian they hat. were available for parole after twenty years. So, so three years. No, two years. Well yeah, when it, they got when they got convicted. Yeah. Which was ninety nine, I'm pretty sure. Ninety nine? Or the murders happened in ninety nine, yeah, so probably not. Because I know in Japan it takes longer. Yeah. Okay. China. Well, that's it. So why don't you go ahead, Dick Fatty? <clears throat> well, I still think I have the winning uh, choice for tonight in terms of horrific unpleasantness. Is that why you had to take off your shirt? In part, yes. <laughs> uh, also, we don't call this motel hell for nothing. It is ridiculously hot in my apartment. <laughs> and uh, I was sweating. So I did Futoshi Matsunaga. He was... Um, a horrible piece of shit. I didn't know anything about him before I read it. I just looked up Japanese serial killers on Wikipedia, started clicking around, and uh, found this this real real treat of a person. Um, so my research comes primarily from a couple things. One is an article, or not an article, but a post that was written by Apis Serana, uh, A-P-I-S underscore C-E-R-A-N-A, which was on the serial killer subreddit uh, and was posted about 10 months ago. It's an archived post, but you can still find it. I took some information from Murderpedia, and then the rest of it's from Japan Times News Articles, which is uh, a collection of articles from around the country, and one from the Japan Weekly Monitor. Oh, and I also got 
an interesting article I'll get into at the end that is translated from a Vietnamese newspaper and I think just got a bunch of made-up shit in it. <laughs> so, there was no verification. He um, had four feet. Yeah, no, and it was it was it was really weird because I read all these articles before I got to that one, and then I was like, oh, this really fills out some of the details and questions I had, and then I was like, start reading like later on, I was like, well, this just doesn't even find <laughs> what I read. He had a vertical leap of twenty five feet. Yeah, no, he was he was an Olympic shitbag. He can smell <laughs> blood from twenty kilometers. Okay, so the sixties were good years for uh, birthing terrible people in Japan. Uh, Fukushima really world, right? Yeah. yeah, sure. Matsunaga uh, was born April 28th, 1961. Um, he is currently still alive and in prison, but I don't really want to give the stats ahead of time because this is one of those where you kind of have to build it to get there and understand what makes it so horrifically terrible. My body is ready. Okay. So, uh, some people are born bad. I think this dude was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, he was a ju juvenile delinquent from the start. They, a lot of the really good background information I got was from this Reddit post. I don't know what this guy's sources were because he didn't list them, but he had information about him um, that I couldn't really find in my other sources. And basically, most of the information about this case comes from testimony from the time of trial from two people that were part of the majority of the events that transpired. But the early life stuff, there's not a lot, um, but I'm gonna go into what I've got. So he was a juvenile delinquent, he was a fraud, he was a scammer and a blackmailer. He was super uh, good at manipulating people from like as early as anybody can recall, and he would basically blackmail his friends and acquaintances into getting money and just amass money and influence and whatever and whatever way he could. Uh, he was moved to a boys' school after sexually assaulting a younger girl, um, and you know, he was just, he was a piece of shit from the get-go. And when he's 19, he graduates, he gets married, and he has a kid, and that's in 1980. And in 1982, he reconnects with this girl that he was uh, into when he was in high school, named Junko Ogata, she's going to be a central part of this story, and um, she was an old classmate and uh, they start this new relationship while he's married. She knows he's married, she knows he's got a kid, mm. but he's also basically taken over his family's business and uh, he makes all these promises to her. Is this guy good looking? No, not really. really. I mean, he's not brutal, but... How do you say his last name? Uh, Matsunaga. Matsunaga. <laughs> so, Junko's mother finds out about the relationship and she contacts um, Futoshi and says, like, I want you to break it off with my daughter. You're married. Like, you shouldn't be doing this, whatever. Mm -hmm. And also, he was beating, raping, psychologically torturing uh, Junko at the same time, which the mother knew about and was like, I don't like that stuff either. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he looks like a yeah, supervillain kind of a yeah, guy. Yeah. He looks like a Bond villain. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. he's rough. And so... Futoshi's like, no, I'm not going to stop this relationship. And he keeps talking to Junko's mom, whose name is Shizumi. And then he's like, you know what? Why don't you meet me at this hotel? We'll talk about it. He then rapes her and then begins an affair with her. What? So he's what? like banging Junko. He's banging Junko's mom. Wait, hold up. So this woman gets raped and she's like, you know what? 
let's keep this going. So, I mean, what I understand now, my sources are limited, and it's all, you know, basically translated to Japanese stuff. Like, the guy had a magnetic personality, and he yeah. was a master manipulator. So, he, he would abuse these women, yeah. and then be like, I'm going to tell whoever what you did. So, Shizumi's married, you know, she's got a family, she's got two daughters. He's like, I'll expose this to them. You know, Junko, she's not married, but like she's a school teacher or whatever. He's like, I'm going to expose this, that, and the other to them. I'm not even, I'm going to skip some of the, the details, but basically, you know, he gets involved in ways that he learns people's secrets, he uses them against them, he controls them and manipulates them, and he does this throughout the course of his entire life. This is how he does what he does. And while he's like sexually abusing uh, Junko, her mom, like, you know, having these messed up relationships he's got like a wife a kid he's running a business mm. but he's also doing this to his employees and he's doing it to like business contracts and all this other yeah. stuff like lying is part of his life it's his yeah. very fabric so he's racking up all this um like fake accounts and all this kind of stuff basically like scheming his way into building his business and all this sh all uh I can curse this is this is yeah yeah fuck <laughs> balls yeah. yeah right so um quick question yeah what was his business I don't know what the business was before he took it over, but uh, in somewhere in between 1980 and 1983, this, uh, he takes over the business completely when his father passes, and he turns it into a futon company. Futon, huh. very popular. In the 80s especially. I know oh, some yeah. people that really like futons. I had futons for a long time I'm myself. I guarantee you, Nardog had at least one futon. Yeah, yeah. Nardog had multiple futons. So, um, yeah, so he makes this futon company, and like... I was reading he would he would make these false sales contracts to then attract other investors and say like look how good our business is doing you know why don't you invest in our business or like he would take these orders he had no ability off. to feel to fill yeah he would do everything he could to constantly bring in money yeah. and meanwhile he was running like an actual business to a point but he didn't treat his his employees any differently than he treated his sexual partners and uh, by 1982 83 85 uh, throughout the 80s he basically he's running this business he's doing all this horrible stuff with the women on the side he's doing all this illegal business stuff defrauding all these people and he's also torturing his employees on the third floor of his building he would electrocute the employees he would like you know split wires hit them with live current he would starve them he would beat them he wouldn't allow them to go home he would withhold their paychecks what? are you sure he didn't work for konami yeah <laughs> but uh no it was kind of like you know, there's there's aspects of it that are very similar to Om Shinrikyo, the way he broke people and the way he abused them and the things he did. And it worked especially well in Japanese culture where it's like all about saving face. So, you know, as soon as yeah. people know stuff about you that you don't want known, right. yeah. especially about your family and whatever. Um, I mean, it, like I said earlier, it, it's, it reminds me a lot of, of AJ Holmes because like he was just murdering his way to the top, creating false business and you know lying to people to get whatever he wanted yeah and he enjoyed being a sadist yeah mm. yeah no this guy's like a real piece of shit and so um he eventually buys the building he is uh running his business from so he can like more easily torture people and not have anybody looking over his shoulder whatever this is like 1985 and junko who's now had this three-year affair with tries to commit suicide because she doesn't want to be in this relationship with him since he's like physically abusive, sexually abusive, mm -hmm. psychologically abusive, whatever. And so she attempts suicide after the attempt by coercing both her mother and her 
basically gets the mother to say to her, like, no, you can't leave him, like, you're damaged goods, and, like, your attempted suicide is going to shame our family, and then, like, he also convinces Junko of the same thing, and is like, you, you just have to stay with me now, like, you're a failure woman, and yeah. everybody knows you're tainted and bad, and so she just moves in with him. And at this point, but like... Doesn't he have a wife? He has a wife and a kid, and that's what I was going to say. I don't know what happens to them. It's not clear in anything I read what happened to his original wife. I don't even have her name. Um, but I'm sure they point, wanted to keep all that stuff out of the papers as yeah. much as they could. Yeah, well, this story is famous because when the details hit a trial, people wouldn't report on it because it was so horrific. And they tried to uh, keep as all the witnesses and a lot of the victims anonymous because it was so horrific and it was so shameful the stuff that he did to these families um that like they didn't the police the courts and whatever didn't want people to know and the media was like we're not going to report it it's very very different than it is here um so from 1985 to 1992 this is like this is what he's doing you know he's just being a piece of shit. 1982 the cops start to come looking because what he would have junko do after she moved in with him, and I guess he's away from the wife or whatever, for all intents and purposes, she's out of the story at this point. He would have her make friends with people and then get their personal information, take credit cards out in their name, like, you know, rack up all this debt, and then when they would find out, they would blackmail them, he would do the same thing. I mean, they were doing everything you could do to, like, defraud people on a business level, a personal level, and blackmailing them to get even more money after the fact. So they were like living on all this borrowed, illegal, fraudulent money and torturing their employees and all this stuff. And at this point, Junko is like totally in on it because she doesn't really have a choice. Like this yeah. is just the life that, you know, she's stuck living with him. And he like, you know, at work will refer to himself as a god. When he would get interested in other women outside of Junko and his wife, he would pursue them with this like insanity. There was a story in one of the articles that I read where it talked about he met a woman who liked folk music, so he bought all these instruments and then forced his employees to create a band and then have like practices and like become a folk musician and then paid to have this big concert hall rented out and had this performance. If and then the, the woman was like, "What? What the I fuck mean, is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> if it, who are if you?" If it weren't for all the adultery, rape, torture, it'd be kind of cute, right? Yeah, yeah. If he wasn't forcing them to be the band, yeah, right. Like his electrocuted drummer on the side. He's like, no, play faster, play better. I can, I can only imagine that, like, when he bought the building, he, like, went to talk to the building owner, and they're like, yeah, um, every day around 3 p.m., your electricity spikes. What's that about? And he's like, here's 10,000 yen. I'm buying this building. Yeah. More like 100,000. Whatever, I don't... Yeah, no, so... No property So, and the, the one other fact I want to hit on before I really move into the heavy stuff is uh, by 1985, he had scammed 180 million yen, which in 1985 was approximately $728,000. I was doing this using old um, exchange <coughs> rates and then inflation, uh, currency inflation calculators. So this isn't perfect, mm. but by today's money, that would be $1.6 million. Wow. Dick Fetty, more like math um, wizard Fetty. Yeah, yeah, so, but, I mean, more like the internet's amazing. But it's, <laughs> that's like, that's a lot of money to be defrauding people out. This isn't Bernie Madoff. This isn't securities and hedge funds mm. and all this. This is like hard, scrappy, defrauding this is one people. dude. Yeah, yeah. No, like, he's a There isn't a corporation helping him do this. Yeah, yeah. A nightmare of shittiness. Like, it's incredible to me as I'm reading, I'm like, I almost have respect for this piece of shit. And then I started to read more and I was like, wow. So 1992, it all starts to catch up. The, the business itself is going bankrupt. The cops are on to him. Like enough people have been like, I'm not going to be held hostage by this giant piece of shit anymore. 
So the cops come looking, and he flees with Junko. And apparently one other co-worker who then splits off from them because it's like, I want nothing to do with this nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And gets away from it. So, let's see. Uh, 1993. Now, I only have one article that talks about these two murders. I don't know whether they were brought up at the time of trial or they're just not as sensational as the others. Uh, there is no evidence to support the murders one way or the other. But given the description I got, it seems believable and makes sense with the timeline. But these aren't what you find in most of the articles that talk about him. So in 1993, he meets with what was referred to in the main article I read as Woman A. Mm. Um, in, or, and she was an old acquaintance. Now in the Vietnamese article I read, her name is referred to as Aya Hakushu, but I don't know if that's true because that article is filled with all sorts of crazy shit. Mm. So maybe it's Aya Hakushu or it's just a, an old female companion. Yeah. So Fujoshi reconnects with her, um, seduces the woman, convinces her he will marry her, that Junko's his sister, not his girlfriend, new wife, whatever she no, is. And um, she leaves her husband and her two oldest kids with the husband and goes to live with him and gives him all her money while he rapes, beats, and starts to psychologically abuse her Jesus. and all this stuff as soon as he's got her on the hook. And his whole thing was always like, he would just pretend to be something he wasn't. Yeah. Whether he's a university professor, a big time lawyer, like he always had a story about how great he was yeah. and why like she should do this. And he apparently was super convincing. I'm a gold medal skier and I train sled dogs on the weekends. That'd be pretty dope though. Right? Right, yeah, no, it gets a girl wet. So, yeah. like, she's on the hook, he gets her in, and then once he drains her all, all her money, he has her go back to all of her relatives, her ex-husband, her family members, her extended family, and beg them for money. And for a while, they give her some money, but eventually they're like, no, nah, we're cutting you off. This happens all within the span of a year. Uh, he's physically, emotionally torturing her throughout this, and then in late 1993, the baby that she brought with her, the youngest child that she had, is killed via blunt force trauma. The body is, uh, I believe it was cremated and then disposed of in the ocean was what I read if yeah. I remember correctly. I don't have it in my notes. But there is no body. They never found one. Um, and no, nobody, it's not reported obviously. They just yeah. cremated it on their own. And then in 1994, uh, this woman kills herself because of, I assume, the child's death and yeah. the fact that she's a little bit unhappy being forced into this, you know, uh, sex slave abuse position. So from 1993 to 1996, post uh, Aya Hakushu or woman or, you know, unnamed woman, whatever it is, uh, Futoshi also reconnects with an old friend named Kumio Toria, a real estate agent, uh, so that he can stay in various residences within the Fu uh, Fukuoka prefecture that he was living in and have like access to multiple different places and just kind of move around and whatever. Mm -hmm. And the guy, he knew him from the past, and he had a little bit of a criminal history, but he would get drunk with them, and the guy would confide, like, whatever stuff to him, and then he would just start to write this all down and say, like, well, if you don't help me, I'm going to tell the cops that you did X, Y, and Z. And quickly, it became a physically abusive relationship where he confined this guy to whatever apartment he was living in, would abuse him, would take his money, would do all this stuff and say, you know, it got to the point where he was signing false confessions for things he never did, all this other kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, he signed a confession that said he sexually abused his daughter. He signed a confession that said he stole money from his company, which he didn't do. 
and then he would be like, if you don't do what I tell you, I'm going to send these to your employer, I'm going to send these to the police, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. And meanwhile, the daughter of this guy, of uh, Kumio, is living with them, and they're abusing her. And yeah. they start physically abusing her, him and Junko. They start sexually abusing her. They're psychologically abusing her. They make her start abusing her father. And so um, she witnesses the emotional and physical abuse, but eventually she starts to partake in it. They force her to. They want yeah. and accomplish. And in February 26, 1996, Kumio dies from the prolonged torture. So for like, what is it, three years, they torture the shit out of this mm. guy. And they die. He... Um, I think they leave him in the bathroom for a couple days, and then eventually they boil his body, and they remove of his body parts in different restrooms, and uh, they throw some of it in the ocean and whatever, and they tell the girl, now you're, you know, part of this, you can't leave us, you've killed your father, you know, this is on you, so yeah. you've got to stay with us now, and she's like totally broken, yeah. so she's like, okay, this is what I'm doing, and at the time she is... I think she's like 11 to 13. Oh my, oh my god. god. Yeah, so she's with them until she's 22. Wow. Yeah, this is this is where it starts to get heavy. So oh, th this, oh, this, this is, is the part? Is yeah. Okay, just All making right. sure. All right. So, um, in 1996, 1995, a friend of Kumio, she was an uh, ex-girlfriend or something of his, and um, Futoshi also forces woman B to give him all her money, just in the usual fashion. He starts to physically abuse her, psychologically abuse her, sexually abuse her. He eventually defrauds her over of over 5.6 million yen, which was about $50,000 then and $76,000 now. Uh, he tortures her and her three-year-old daughter, isolates mm -hmm. them from their friends and her ex-husband. Uh, in March 1997, woman B, I believe she tried to escape once, but they caught her. And then in March of 1997, it's now been one or two years or so, you know, and at this point, to understand how he's doing this, he's got these different residences because he's still basically using all the assets that Kumio had. Yeah. And so he's able to like move from different apartments. He's still holding on to the apartment that Kumio lived in. He's got an apartment next door. One of the accounts I read said that like he reconnected with Kumio because he moved into an apartment next door and it was by accident but some of these again some of these sources I, I can't really verify yeah but anyways he's moving all around the place he's doing a lot of torturing in a lot of different places and uh for whatever reason my experience has always been in Japan that people don't like a lot of noise so I don't know whether he tortured the shit out of these people quietly or his neighbors just didn't want to like interfere yeah but I think it's a little bit of a mixture of both and a sort of again a culture of we're not going to disturb other people if we don't see it. It's not happening. It's not our yeah. problem. I mean, I feel like, if, like you know, if, if someone's playing loud music, I feel like you're more likely to address that than, than be your wife. Yeah. 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 Honestly. As I, a family dispute. I'm not, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's fucked up, but that's kind of the way it is. Right. <laughs> it's messy, and who wants to get involved? <clears throat> so March 1997, Woman B escapes from Futoshi by jumping out of the second-story window of the apartment that she's currently wow. trapped in. Why are you pointing to me? Because when we were watching the movie, you, you were like, why doesn't she just jump out the window to get away from the killer? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'd die. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was a fourth story window, but this is, <laughs> this is a second story window. So she jumps out and she escapes. Now, I could not tell from the articles whether or not she jumped out of the window with her three-year-old daughter or if 
Futoshi and Junko just like later were like, we don't need a three-year-old around and dropped her off at the ex-husband of Woman B's, um, Woman B's ex-husband's house. But some way the three-year-old does wind up back with dad. Nice. So they don't kill this kid. But um, Woman B is totally fucked up from the experience. She's like completely, they basically think she's totally insane. They lock her in a mental institution. The right. cops do. Yeah, because I mean, she's, you know, she's been tortured for over yeah. a year straight. So she's placed in a mental institution. Uh, as of 2002, she suffers from extreme PTSD and lives on disability. So not not the worst ending mm, in terms of this right. story for this woman, but I mean, she is, from what I understood from the articles, still very fucked up. So, which, I mean, like, I, you know, understandably. So, Futoshi's pretty annoyed at this point. He defrauded this woman for all this money, but he's living high on the hog. He's spending it left and right, whatever. And uh, he sends Junko back to work because he's like, I'm not, you know, I don't have any women to defraud currently. Like, you yeah. need to be doing something for this relationship. I'm not going to work. I'm God. Yeah, yeah, other than being my torture partner. And they're also <laughs> supporting uh, this girl, A, who's uh, Kumio's daughter. Right. So, and she's not named. Her name was uh, protected and stuff. So, Junko goes to work uh, as a bar hostess in Yufuin which is in a nearby prefecture, nearby to Fukuoka, um, and basically disappears from the apartment. And he's like, well, what the fuck? Like, you know, I send you out to go make us money, and now you're not coming home with it. You're not yeah. coming home at all, because Junko's like, this is fucking crazy, and I want to get out of it. Yeah. So he's pretty annoyed about this. And he tells uh, the girl that they've held captive, like, you need to go figure out what the hell she's doing, and you need to get her back here you know, and simultaneously he reaches out to Junko's family. And since he used to be banging Junko's mom and whatever, yeah. he's, and again, now this is, I don't know whether it's a translation issue or whatever, Junko had either told her mother about the fact that they killed Kumio, the guy who's had all the apartments yeah. or whatever, or he told Junko's mom that they did this. It's not really clear from the articles, but either way, basically, he informed her mother and her father, Junko's mother and father, that. You know, we killed these people. If anybody finds out, it's going to be great shame to your family. So you need to get her back so that she doesn't go blabbing to people. You need to help me bring her back yeah. into my, you know, control, basically, because, like, she can't be trusted. She's an idiot. And yeah. uh, they're like, okay, yeah, that seems like a good idea. So they help him fake his own death. Then they no. hold yeah, yeah. No. So they hold, they hold a funeral Shut for him. Oh fuck up. And so Junko's like, okay, I guess it's safe to go home now. At which point he's there waiting, like, what's up, girl? Oh and she's like, God. are you shitting me? So now, like, her relationship with her family is totally messed up. Yeah. Because, you know, like, she your parents, yeah. yeah, right, just brought a, a sociopath, megalomaniac narcissist back into your life who, like, raped, abused, and kills people. But, you know, whatever, no big deal. Family shame is important. Uh. So uh, he gets her back, but now the family is as much stuck in with this as Junko is. Yeah. So he brings in the whole family into this thing. And what he starts to do is what he's always done. He finds people's weaknesses and he exploits and controls them. So he starts to get the different family members drunk. Now there's a couple different people in the family. There's Taka Shige, who is Junko's dad. There's Shizumi, who's Junko's mother. There's Reiko, Junko's sister. Uh, Kazuya, who's Junko's brother-in-law and married to Reiko, and then they they have two children, Aya, who's ten, and a girl, and Yuki, who's five. 
And now, meanwhile, girl A is still in the mix. Yeah. This. So he brings them to whatever apartment he's currently in independently, and then sometimes his groups and whatever, and like he's like, you know, I'm gonna get to know the family and whatever. Get some shit house drunk, and then they tell him like their deepest, darkest secrets and whatever else. Yeah. And he starts to like tell the other family members and erode and destroy the bonds and relationships yeah. these family members have from each other. And like also, it's I don't know how it works because I'm not a sociopath, but basically he starts to like force them all to be under his watch, yeah. and they're all starting to report to him, and they all just start to like accept the things he's doing and the control he starts yeah. taking in their life. Well, it's like one of those things where it's like. Listen, so and so said this about you. I'm just looking out for you, so let it's me know if anything else yeah, happens. He's yeah. fucking like driving yeah, them like an expert yeah. level, right? And this is happening at a pretty rapid pace, though. So this is this is like mid 1997. So in terms of specific uh, ways that he would hurt the family members, for Takashige Junko's dad, he has him replace the piping in the bathroom of Kumio's apartment uh, after Kumio had died and they had gotten rid of the corpse and then tells him after the fact, we killed that guy in here mm -hmm. and you just replaced the piping. So now you're on the hook for murder wow. too. Wow. And also would tell him about like, you know, I was banging your wife and like I raped your wife and blah, blah, blah. Oh and I raped God. your daughter. And like, you know, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to kill them. And then for Shizumi, he would ex threaten to expose their relationship to Junko. He would, you know, just continue to beat her and whatever. Um, for Reiko, apparently, and I didn't want to spoil this in advance, he had had a relationship with her in high school before he even had a relationship with Junko. Uh. So he was like, nobody knew about this. And he's like, I'm going to tell everybody. And like, they're going to know you've been lying about knowing me this whole time yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And then got to know all her secrets about her relationship with her husband. And then yeah. would say, I'm going to tell your husband. And then to hurt the husband, he would tell the husband, which was yeah. uh, Reiko had a, an abortion because she didn't want to have more kids with him yeah. and that she thought about leaving him and this, that, and the other and all this horrible shit. So by the end of the year, he's got them all living in one apartment that he owns and controls. Wow. The apartment's like blacked out. There's no access to the windows. Nobody can go outside without telling them where they're going. When they're inside, they all have to wear these pseudo uniforms of like sweatpants and for the men they have to wear sweatshirts for the women they're not allowed to wear shirts they have to wear tape over their nipples they have to report when they're going to use the bathroom they're only fed once or twice a day um they're not allowed to sleep for more than five hours they're forced to sleep on the floor all this stuff oh, and this he's become a cult leader yeah yeah in like a very limited sense he's yeah. a completely you know at this point pretty much broken down these people's like individuality their their identities their sense of independence yeah nobody's calling for help you know girl a has been doing this now for three years yeah. with him and uh junko's been doing it for like 10 and so um yeah the apartments without light their starvation sleep deprivation so this goes on. Holy fucking shit. So this is late 1997. So he's got them all in one apartment, the entire family. Um, and he has them not working. The kids aren't, the little kids aren't going to school. All the severance money from the jobs, the unemployment, assistance, whatever. Anything that is coming in in terms of income, he's taking control of. They're not allowed to leave the house at this point. It's on total lockdown mode. And the thing I haven't really harped on, because to me what I find so 
fascinating and terrifying about this is like the psychological aspect of it, yeah. of like breaking people down in that way. But as soon as he's got them in the house, I mean, he's torturing the shit out of them. And he doesn't lure in the whole family all at once. It sort of takes time. Uh, Junko's sister, Rico, Areko, uh, she moves in before her husband does. In part because they've got two kids and the husband's taking care of the kids back at their house. But right. he eventually lures the husband in because he's like, well, what, what the fuck is my wife doing here yeah. all the time? And he's like, oh, no, I'll tell you all about it. And he's like, did you know your wife did blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then he's got them all, like, you know, Venus flytrap or whatever. Yeah. And when they're there... He's electrocuting the shit out of them. He's beating the shit out of them. You know, on top of the sleep deprivation, like I said, the the lack of food, the starvation. I mean, they're living in, like, complete filth and squalor. And Junko the whole time is basically helping them, like, torture the shit out of everybody. And so does Girl A, because they're, like, pros at this point yeah. in terms of torture and abuse. So, um... How, would, how much of the family, like, went to this guy's funeral and then, like, ended up in the house and be like, You're alive? Yeah, yeah, who was in on it? Every, like, I think almost all of them when they did that. Yeah. Because he let the whole family know, like, your daughter is an accomplice to murder with me, and if she blabs about it, like, you're all going to be, yeah. you know, ashamed and whatever. Uh, okay, so, yeah, uh, Futoshi blames Takashige for not bringing in more money. He had had some inheritance and also other properties that he was supposed to be selling off and then giving him all the money for, but Takashige's family, like, the rest of his family was like, we're not letting you sell off the family stuff so you can pay this crazy dude who's got you trapped in the house or like whatever. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be part of that. Meanwhile, nobody's calling the cops. Yeah. Like Nobody's like worried about it. But like, you know, there's problems with the income and shit. And uh, what's his face? Fudoshi's like, I'm going to have to actually do some more defrauding and some hard work luring women into my life. Like, you know, you guys need to be helping out. You're all living here for your rent and shit. Lure me in some ladies. Yeah, so they start beating the shit out of Junko's father. Just like non-stop punishing him, electrocutions, making him eat shit, all this kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff very similar to the Hello Kitty thing. So, but I mean, it's like his wife is beating him, his two daughters are beating him, his son-in-law is beating him. They've got the five and ten-year-old involved in beating him, grandfather and all this stuff. Because at this point, like, everybody's terrified to defy the tyrant. It's a family affair. It's yeah. like the worst version of Full House. So, uh, eventually, they electrocute him so much at one point that, uh, and this is in December of 1997, that the grandfather falls into a coma and then later dies. Mm. And so, Futoshi tells Aya, who's the little girl, like, you killed your grandfather because I know that at one point you said, like, you wished he was dead and now this is true and this is all on you. And she's like, you know, 10 and, like, her mind's broken from it and all this stuff. Meanwhile, they're disposing of the corpse at the end of the month when Christmas is taking place, and Futoshi and Junko are taking, like, fun Christmas card pictures with uh, the little boy who's five. Meanwhile, the rest of the family is, like, cutting up and boiling their father's corpse in the back of the apartment. Um, The body was decapitated and dismembered in the bathroom with saws. The flesh was meticulously shredded in a mixer. The body parts were boiled in a pot until liquefied, and everything was disposed of in the ocean or in public toilets. Wow. So. They really have a system at this point. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Well, when you got a whole family, it's chip in. Yeah. So, apparently, Shizumi wasn't super thrilled about her husband dying, so she gets, like, real uppity, so they start electrocuting the shit out of her, because they're like, you know, you need to chill out, and she doesn't. So she has a psychological break and starts talking about how she's hearing voices and there's evil spirits and all this stuff. 
And so they have this family meeting and they're like, what are we going to do about crazy mom? And finally, Junko's like, well, maybe we should kill her. And Futoshi's like, that's what we should do. We should murder her. Yeah. And so he's like, and you guys are all on the hook because you were here at the family meeting when we decided to kill your mom. Oh. So they kill her. So um, they decide that because she's so hysterical and screaming and this and that, that, the other tenants in the apartment building might find out. So like, that's probably the best course of action. Yeah. So they kill Shizumi and um, Futoshi makes Junko and Rico, the two daughters, hold the mother down while the son-in-law strangles her to death with an electrical cord. <clears throat> like, this is in January of 1998. After that, the next person uh, is Reiko. So uh, Reiko starts to get more and more despondent with the situation. She, again, starts acting out a little bit, showing a little bit of free will. So Futoshi starts electrocuting her extra hard. He eventually electrocutes her so much that it lo she loses her hearing as a result of the torture. Wow. And uh, he also finds out that she's pregnant, most likely with his child, since he's been the one raping her for the whole time. And um, decides that she's lost her mind, she's gone crazy, they have another family meeting. He's like, I don't know, I think Rako's kind of losing it. And they're like, I guess we gotta get rid of her. But it's more like zombified people like Yes yeah, Master, Horrible, yeah. Um Shinrikyo, like, you know, hive mind cult stuff. And um, they decide to, let's see, where is it, um, they decide to kill her, and Kazuya, her husband, volunteers to do it, because he's like, if anybody's gonna kill my wife, it should be me, and, uh, according to the testimony, she says, as he goes to kill her, like, Kazuya, am I going to die, and he says, I'm so sorry, and then he kills her, strangles oh. her to death with an electrical cord, and, um, wow, he's had a lot of cords. Yeah, well, they were doing a lot of electrocuting. So yeah, well, that's true. Cords. That's true. So after well, listen, you you don't mix your strangling cords with your electric your electrocution cords. You know, that's you gotta keep them separate. Well, you just unplug them, then it's the other. Yeah, but what if you then, then you gotta what if you ruin that one? Then you gotta go out and How get you a new ruin a cord. Things happen. Uh, okay. You know, Anyways. you've got five year olds running around, probably chewing on them. So after Kazuya strangles his wife to death, uh, he supposedly. So falls to the ground and says, finally it's come to this, I've even killed my own wife. So, is uh, able to hang on for a little bit longer. After his wife's dead, um, Futoshi trusts him a bit more, he starts making him drive him around outside, uh, like in town and whatever, but also into other prefectures where he's still seeing other women outside of this, getting their money and whatnot. Um, he was mostly starving him, but when they would go out, he would be out for like a day or half a day or whatever. He would force him to eat these like insanely huge meals so that he wouldn't bitch about being hungry and like being starved most of the time and then forced to eat all this other yeah. food at the time started to really yeah. screw him up. Yeah. And they come back from one of these adventures. He goes into the bathroom, locks the door, and when Futoshi comes in to check on him, a couple hours later they find him dead. Uh, did so, he kill himself or did he just die? No, he just died yeah. from like the basically prolonged torture. So, the only adults now are um, Junko and Futoshi. He makes uh, Aya, the young girl, like help dispose of her father's body and all this oh. stuff. And then um, a month after the father dies in May of 1998, um, Futoshi convinces Junko, he basically says to her, you know, the kids are probably going to seek vengeance on us, I don't think we should really keep them around, and I mean, they're kind of a pain and whatever, 
So he forces uh, the girl, Aya, to strangle her five-year-old brother, Yuki, uh, to death. And then they dispose of that body. And then about a month later, he has Junko kill Aya. Oh my and, god. Um, Just picked them off one by one. Yeah. And so this is like all in the same apartment. They're like boiling bodies. They're disposing of corpses. All this stuff. They're living in an apartment. Like, yeah. And as far as ever anyone knows, he's dead, right? Well, I guess, yes, hypothetically, they had a fake funeral and all that. So he's not leaving the same kind of paper trail. That is yeah. true. That's not really discussed, but that's a really good point. But, I mean, at the same time, like, you would think that if an entire family just sort of up and disappears and five and ten-year-olds aren't showing up to school, that a yeah. truancy officer would go knocking on the door. Not to mention, like, yeah, how many people they live in in that apartment? A lot. Uh, yeah. In, in, in a Japanese seven. apartment, they are yeah. small. Yeah, well, I mean, it could be a bigger apartment, but the thing that I think of is, like, if I'm wailing and beating on people, like, I feel like at some point the neighbors should yeah. be calling the well, cops. Well, you don't know. At that point, they might have been so psychologically broken that they were just quiet about yeah. it. They yeah. It was just like, this is the thing that happens at 4 p.m. today. Yeah. No, but I did see in, in articles, like, mentioned in passing that, you know, neighbors were like, oh, my God, it always smelled horrible. It smelled like rotting bodies. It reminded me a lot of Dahmer where, like, people knew horrible things were happening. Yeah. They just were like, oh, yeah. Uh, kind of gross i just don't want to be involved I mean, you know they want to keep their japanese they yeah mind their business right you don't want to like go accusing people of cooking bodies when you don't have good proof so for the next four years nothing happens to them it's junko girl a um who's the daughter of the guy they killed first yeah and he's just living like they're basically living in these same conditions that they lived in when everybody else was killed they're still stuck in this house um and they have no freedom. He's continues to sexually abuse both of them, physically abuse both of them, all the rest. No cops come. There's no investigation. Nobody knows. Like nobody's even looking into this. Yeah. It's not even an issue. What what is what was he spending all of this money on that he's stealing from all of these know, people? Yeah. Um. So it talked about at least in terms of when he was still running the business, he would throw like extravagant parties. He would drink a lot, you know, he would eat well. He basically lived like a king and did whatever he want with whatever money, you know, that he was getting. And he, I guess in part he was using the money he would scheme from one woman to scheme the next to pretend he was, you know, Mr. Big Shot and whatever. Yeah. And hypothetically, he's still paying the bills on all the different places he owns to a point. Yeah, that's true. And, um, you know, so he's got expenses. They're just not, you know, they're not feeding people or taking care of them or anything like that. And he's, he's a wild guy, so, you know, he figured he goes and buys some $400 airsoft gun on a whim because <laughs> it's all free money. So, in January of 2012, girl A manages to escape to her grandparents' house. Uh, she leaves, she gets out of the confines of this Futoshi. She goes to the grandparents' house, but she's still not completely free of his will, and so... He doesn't know where she is, but she keeps sending money back to the house. Wow. She's asking the grandparents for money and sending it back to the house. And um, eventually Futoshi finds out where she is because he starts screwing around with her father's sister, her dead father's sister. And the dead father's sister's like, oh, I know where she is. She's with my, my yeah. parents and whatever. So he comes and he collects her. And um, she doesn't really, like, fight it that much she doesn't tell anybody what had happened about yeah. all the murders and all the rest she's just like trying to get away from it but like also can't deal because she's 19 i think at this point so i guess she was 20 no she was 22 i want to say 
So, um, this happens once. She then escapes again later that year, and this time writes a note and says, please come find me. Um, his stories are false, and the cops are called. The grandparents get the daughter back, and um, as soon as the cops get involved, uh, Junko and uh, Girl A confess everything. Yeah. And it's like you talked about with the otaku killer. I mean, it is completely, like, just emotionless reporting of what happened. The cops are, like, completely terrified and taken aback by how broken both of these people are. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's just, like, no emotion left. Their, their brains have been destroyed. So, to make a long story short, this is 2002, so, you know, they go on for another four years. They get arrested in 2002, and um, the trial starts, or the proceedings start, I should say. They have no bodies for any yeah. of this. They, they meticulously cleaned all the places where the killings happened. So yeah. even though they were living in squalor, they replaced the tile, they replaced the plumbing, they replaced, like, all the areas where the actual yeah. murders that, happened. There goes all the money. That's not expensive. Yeah, yeah right. Well, that, so there's that, too. Um, but, you know, there's no bodies. I didn't read in any of my notes outside of the original report I was reading about the woman and her infant that they killed. Um, yeah. There's That wasn't part of the trial, the infant's death. But the woman does come back to testify about what happened. The one who escaped, jumped out of the window, yeah. and had PTSD and all this stuff. So it's her testimony, it's the girl A's testimony, and Junko's testimony that basically explain everything yeah. about what happened and what it was like and what the conditions were and whatever. And um, the whole time, Futoshi's like, I didn't tell her to kill anybody. She did that all on her own. Yeah. He's like, I was just, you know, just trying to, like, work off bad debts and this, that, and the other. And basically takes totally no responsibility yeah. for anything or tries to justify any of his misdeeds. Um, the courts eventually find them both guilty Six out of the seven murders. The only one they're not convicted on is the grandfather's murder because they say they didn't intend to kill him. He just died as a result of the beatings, um, mm. but it wasn't intentional. So they still got him on six of the seven, which, like, with I don't no really understand. Yeah, with no bodies is, is good, but it's also one of those, you've got two people who, like, participated in all of the murders. Yeah. Making, um matching confessions and whatever. I don't know why you can't get dad... Like, in the United States justice system, if you beat somebody with an inch of their life and then they die and you say, I didn't mean for them to die, yeah. that's still murder. Yeah, that's still yeah. murder based on the way that we look at murder here. Yeah. But in Japan, well, I guess, they've got a different criteria. Didn't that have... And they convicted him for the uncle who just died in the bathroom from his torture? Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. So, um, they convict them both. And they both get the death penalty. Then in, there was immediately appeals for the sentences. They've all been upheld thus far. Futoshi has exhausted all of his appeals. They've upheld the death sentence for him. And in 2007, they reduced the sentence for Junko to life in prison because they found that essentially while she was a participant in everything, it was based on coercion. And yeah. Horrific though it was, she had really essentially no choice. Yeah. And given the level of um, torture, emotionally and physically and whatever, she couldn't be culpable in the sense of she didn't... She killed them, 
Like, she's going to jail forever, but yeah. we're not going to kill her. Which, in my mind, I would rather just get the death penalty than be in jail for life. You're probably about to get to this, but what happened to Girl A? Uh, Girl A didn't go to jail at all. Yeah. Because she was a minor at the time, and she also was the first one to testify and told the cops about everything once they got her out of their clutches. And once she told the cops everything that happened, the cops then got Junko to confess, and uh, Futoshi maintained his innocence still. He hasn't been executed yet in Japan. It's like rando when you're going to get executed, so... um, Today he's still alive. Tomorrow he could be dead. Nobody knows. But his he's got no more appeals. He's totally going to be hung by the neck until he is dead. Holy fucking wow. Christ. That could have been a whole episode on its own. Yeah, I think he won. That was <sighs> so fucked up. Yeah, it's it was unpleasant to read, to say the least. I mean, I, I really spent... A lot of time researching this I went through a lot of different articles um, to maybe attempt to lighten the mood what was the thing I read in the Vietnamese article so there was this one so this is from uh, the An Ninh uh, well I can't really read <laughs> Vietnamese very well they have a picture of the girl that he supposedly killed first but it definitely looks like from a recent Japanese dating profile site and not a 20-year-old picture, so I yeah. I tend to not believe that. Yeah. Um, they also say that he lived uh, for a time in Kyoto, which I didn't find anywhere else. And uh, they talked about that Futoshi was arrested because... This article says that Futoshi was arrested... Um, in 2002 when he kidnapped two children of a rich woman in the city Kyoto to claim a 20 million yen ransom after many failed negotiations this woman decided to ask police to intervene as a criminal criminal Matsunaga <laughs> was not easily trapped by the police however as of March 6 2002 Matsunu, uh, Matsunaga and Junko have also netted the law granted I'm using Google Translate to translate Vietnamese clickbait but, um, <laughs> he also so, killed a moose with his bare hands. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that he didn't kidnap kids and try to ransom that. I didn't see that mentioned yeah. anywhere else, and I feel like they, they would do that. So uh, take that all with a grain of salt. That's from um, Futoshi Matsunaga, the most evil criminal in Japan, which was from June 10th, 2008. The other articles were from the Japan Times. I pulled one that was January 18th, 2003. There was a September 29th, 2005, September 27th, 2007, September 29th, 2007, and then December 13th, 2011. Mm. Uh, that's the last article I read that said his sentence is still upheld. Yeah. But, um... Wow. Yeah, so that's Futoshi Matsunaga. You can look up pictures of him and Junko. She's not a looker. But after 20 years of torture, who would be? Mm. Um, he looks like a supervillain, and there are no crime scene photos because this wasn't. This was discovered years I mean, after. Yeah, there was no yeah. crime scene. And I was really grateful for that because honestly, the stuff that they describe, and I, you know, I went into some detail, but like Flex Alexa, I didn't want to go into the extreme graphics of it. But they, the article on Reddit talks in depth about the stuff he did to torture and break these people's minds and. You know, making them eat their own feces, making them drink urine, 
the regular beatings and the, the electrocution was like his thing like that yeah. was the big deal thing yeah. he did he just electrocuted people constantly so real piece of shit Woo. well I feel like dying I don't know about anybody else uh, I think I might have to take a shit I don't know <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of Chinese food inside me yeah. yeah yeah okay well what episode number is this uh who cares Five. <laughs> Alright. In the bag. I don't feel good about myself. I'm sure that nobody listening feels good about themselves either. I'm sure like two or three people feel pretty good about themselves. And you guys should seek yeah. help. Whoever feels that way. Um, but yeah, okay. We'll close it out. Yep. So okay. uh, we'll be back next time with a special edition, Giallo edition. Ooh, ooh. Um, we're going to give you some... Heavy in-depth insight into our feelings on giallo and uh all that stuff okay good stuff we will see you when we see you <laughs> in hell in hell motel hell uh, some kind of sex maniac <laughs> later nerds